From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MVW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to the Thursday, June 18th edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'm Neil McCready. I'll be with you today on this show. We will have a live show tonight. I'm going to tape around 5 o'clock Central Daylight Time. That's going to be the Friday show. But this is the Thursday show. On, on this show, we're going to talk to Ole Miss basketball coach Kermit Davis. His guys uh, began reporting back this week. We'll talk about that. Um, talk about a number of things with him. And then uh, we're going to talk some NBA and college football with John Hamm. He's with the franchise in Oklahoma City. He's also part of the OKC Dream Team podcast. We talked to him about the uh, NBA potential return, whether the uh, the players who are talking about uh, not returning back to the NBA for the playoffs in Orlando for the rest of the season in Orlando because of uh, the, the social justice movements that are going on, the um, – the protests that are out there, a lot of NBA players, Kyrie Irving, uh, Dwight Howard, among others, Avery Bradley, want uh, the NBA players to consider not going to Orlando as a uh, as a social statement. Talk to John about what the financial ramifications of that will be. Also, uh, the news out of Stillwater recently about Mike Gundy. Talk to him a little bit about OU, about how reliant the state of Oklahoma is, just like the state of Mississippi, state of Alabama, a lot of states down here is on getting college football back and preferably with fans in the stands this fall. So we'll talk to uh, both Kermit Davis and John Hamm. They'll join us on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. We'll get to all that in a minute. First, let me tell you about the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Download the Speed Pass Plus app. You'll uh, be able to fill up with uh, no touch, no touch of anything. If you're uh, really concerned about the virus and all of that stuff and you just want to be sanitary, you can do that. Download the Speed Plus Speed Pass Plus app. Say that ten times quickly and see how your tongue gets tied. So uh, do that. You can also go in. They've got ribs, plate lunches, uh, great beer selection, soda selection, snacks, everything you can want. Always clean, always great. There at the Oxford Exxon. It's right next door to the Oxford Crystal. Drive through is open there. Uber Eats, Grubhub, Waiter, DoorDash as well. They've got the new Hangover Crystal, fresh cracked eggs, and that bacon, egg, and cheese crystal. It's $169. It's available all day. They've also got the new peach slushy, perfect on these hot days, the new banana pudding shake, uh, fresh cracked egg biscuits, bacon, egg, and cheese, sausage, egg, and cheese, the scrambler breakfast bowls, and you can always get the pick five for $5.55, and you can make the new Nashville hot chick part of your five for $5.55. It's 100% all white meat chicken breast there at the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford next door to the Oxford Exxon. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900's that number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote and the rest is absolutely up to you. What I recommend you do is that you Hop into that Clark Ford. You'll love the car. You'll love the truck. You'll love the service. The people at Clark Ford want to be your car guy. 
They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove that to you when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Our friends at Blue Delta Jeans are very pleased to announce that the Blue Delta Studio is open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. If you've got jeans to pick up or if you're ready to get measured for your own Blue Delta Jeans, don't hesitate to drop by. Reach out to Blue Delta to schedule an appointment. And while you're in, don't forget to check out Blue Delta's new line of Georgia milled duck canvas fabrics. Strong and durable. These are the ultimate made-to-last pants. It's info at bluedeltajeans.com or on social media at Blue Delta Jeans. Whichever way is easier for you. Give the Blue Delta Jeans team a call, and they'll be glad to see you. We're going to go to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline in a minute. First, let me tell you, Rafters on the Water is open. It's located at the Sardis Marina, so come experience outdoor dining Unlike any place in North Mississippi, the menu offers shrimp and Mississippi catfish platters along with gourmet burgers and Louisiana-style po'boys served on Leidenheimer French bread. They're open Wednesdays through Thursdays. Wednesdays and Thursdays, I should say, 3.30 to 10. Friday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. There's a newly expanded picnic-style dining area, signature appetizers including Zydeco shrimp, crawfish egg rolls, live music, a lot of fun cocktails including their famous House frozen margarita. If you are uh, not quite ready for that, you still want to get curbside, you want to get to go, that's cool. You can do that as well. 662-712-6162. That's the number you call, and uh, you'll love everything you'll get there from Rafters on the Water, located at the Sardis Marina. Speaking of Rafters on the Water, let's go to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline now and Ole Miss basketball coach, Kermit Davis. Ole Miss coach Kermit Davis, kind enough to uh, spend some time with us. It's been been a little while since we visited. Kermit, thanks for being with us. Uh, good to be with you, Neil. So I know you finally got some of your guys back on, uh, I guess, Monday. We're taping this. It's Thursday. I've, I've learned to do this during the COVID thing uh, and, and in the world we're living in these days. I, I put the I, I timestamp everything because in the event that people hear this at 6 o'clock tonight and the world blew up, they, they'll, they'll know that we, we weren't ignoring the story. We just didn't know. <laughs> it's, a 20, it's a 2020 thing, Kermit. I had thought about that, Neil. That's pretty smart. I, I'm going to take your advice on that. That's pretty good. So it is 10.15 a.m. Central Daylight Time on, uh, on Thursday, oh, Thursday, June the 18th. You got your guys back on Monday. That had to, uh, that had to feel pretty good to, to see the fellas again. It had been a little while. It did. You know, that's probably everybody said what was the hardest thing, and it really was not seeing your guys. I mean, not not just seeing them, not having conversations with them. And uh, so we've kind of brought them back in increments, uh, Neil, and now we've got eight guys on campus uh, right now. We have three new guys, Romella, Matthew, and Robert Allen coming in on Monday. Uh, but it's been good. I mean, they they've we all got tested in our building. Uh, we're going through, obviously, the protocol. Uh, Andrew, our trainer, has done a good job of really monitoring our building, you know, with mask and the social distancing. Uh, and and now, if you when you everybody's taking the COVID antibodies, when you pass that, then you are able to enter the building with a temperature and use the facilities voluntarily. That's what I was going to ask. So, what are you all allowed to do right now? I know in football, they're they're allowed to do workouts with the strength and conditioning people, but the actual football coaches can't you know, do any kind of hands-on stuff. They're doing meeting kind of things, still doing utilizing Zoom and that kind of thing. What about for you guys? Yeah, you know, usually, Neil, the, because football's never really been able to have kind of the summers we've had in basketball. I mean, for, for a number of years, you know, we've been able to work our guys out all summer, you know, for four hours a week in the uh, on the floor. But now 
uh, now everything is voluntarily based, you know, and really, you know, guys have appointments to come into the, uh, to the TUI facility. Uh, you know, we have a couple of different practice, uh, excuse me, weightlifting times. They can choose voluntarily. I mean, if they don't choose to come, there's no punishment, obviously, because it's all voluntary. Uh, but usually your best players, you know, they're trying to find places to, to play, uh, you know, and then we're observing, you know, they have like usually it's a player per goal. Uh, we are going to bring in managers starting Monday uh, with gloves, and the managers can be passers uh, to the players as they're getting shots, balls sanitized. You know, so it's just, it's like I said, it's player driven, uh, you know, based on those guys voluntarily wanting to come into our facility and, play and work. I would think those guys are just as excited to get in the building as you are to have them in the building. I mean, it's, that's, they, they lost a lot of time that. Like I think about a guy like Luis Rodriguez, who probably you know, I mean, he had such an injury-prone season. wasn't his fault. Stuff just happened, and you know, he he lost a lot of development time. I'm sure he was kind of itching to get back into a gym. He really is. I mean, it's it's great to to see Luis, and you know, he's back, you know, full speed, and uh, so I know he was really really excited. Uh, you know, so you know, Jarkel is. I mean, they just. You know, everybody's been on their outdoor courts. They're trying to find maybe churches that, you know, didn't have as strict regulations, sneaking in places. I mean, it's just everybody's done it all around the country. And now to be able to use this facility and, and have this kind of place, yeah, everybody was really excited. You mentioned Jarkel. He, he, he had a, a really good start to his career out in California. He had the, the sit-out year because of the transfer rules. I know your expectations for him are, are really high going into this season. Yeah, Neil, and, you know, number one, he's talented. And number two, it's just I've never had a guy. And I've had some pretty tough guys for a lot of years in, in college basketball. I mean, his, his work ethic, I've never seen a guy better. I mean, so, I mean, you just you think about that. I mean, he just – he leads. He He's the ones that's gathering up all of our guys and bringing them to the gym, you know, to do workouts. You know, I mean, he, he really has. He's done an unbelievable job, and uh, he cannot wait. We've talked about it, Neil, to put that old Miss jersey on and step on that pavilion floor. I mean, he just can't wait to be a part of it. He loves Ole Miss that much, and, and those guys that have put that kind of time and effort, then you know what kind of year he's going to have. Um, a guy that I get asked about a lot, I mean, if, if I get asked about this guy twice a week, it's, 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 it's a, a, a small week. It's usually more than that. I get lots of questions about Sean Robinson because of obviously it's, you know, the recruiting, he was, he was highly ranked, reclassified, all of that stuff. Where does he kind of stand? How close is he to being able to contribute? Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's an unbelievable talent and he, God, he, he, he missed this part of it as bad as, as anybody. You know, he was about 224 when he left to go back home. Uh, he's had some he's had some issues with his tonsils, you know, and so he had to be checked in a hospital and he just had, you know, trouble eating and then he had to flare up again. And so he's we're, we're probably going to have a procedure done, just his tonsils, maybe next week, you know, and, and that's, you know, he's going to lose some weight because of it. And probably about a couple of weeks and that's not for certain but but i think we're, we're pointing toward that to do it right now uh but you know he's just six he's legitimate 611 he runs like a deer he's got great hands he can catch 
uh, a great kid to coach. Like a lot of young guys, he struggles sometimes with playing through fatigue. That's where he's really making a bunch of progress right before, you know, the season got shut down. Uh, so, you know, we, we think he's going to have a chance to really contribute to our team. He's just got to get himself in great, great shape. And he's lost a little of his weight back, you know, that he, he came in. So he's got he's to build that back up again. Um, I know you had uh... – Blake Kinson had a great freshman year. He struggled last year with some health and stuff. He made the decision. Uh, I guess it was. I don't think it was a surprise to many of you in the program, but probably a surprise to me and some of the people who who are fans that follow the program that uh, that Blake decided to enter the transfer portal. Just your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I guess probably our, my thoughts, Neil, would be that you know that we have you know really good versatility and and depth at that position and. You know what? We're going to look forward to coaching a group of talented guys that that want to be a part of Ole Miss basketball. Fair enough. A guy that I keep thinking he's going to break out. It's kind of my when people say, "Who do you think is going to make the big step this season?" My answer is always the same, and it's not a knock on any of the other guys. It's always I think Buffin's going to have that breakout year. There were some signs of it uh, late last season where I, I, it looked to me, and I'm certainly not the basketball expert that you are, but it, it looked to me like he was starting to lights were starting to come on. It really did. I mean, he's he's in a great place, you know, right now, and uh, you know, so you you, you know, he averaged nearly six rebounds in the SEC, right at ten points. He's a good passer, you know, as a four man, you know, he can have twenty seven assists, twenty three turnovers in an SEC play. I think that'll get better. The one thing I know we all get, and I get asked this question, I'll give you let KJ shoot, you know, so I get to ask that question a bunch, and you know, KJ's just. He's got to gain confidence in his stroke, yeah. and because to be a stretch four like that to play and play some three, he's got to be able to. And he has. He spent a lot of time in, in the gym. Uh, I do. I think I'm like you. I'm a huge fan of KJ. I love the kid, and I do think he's going to shoot with a lot of confidence this year. And I think his numbers will go way up. I was always impressed with him when we would talk to him. You know, we'd get in foul trouble and we'd ask him about it, and he'd say, It's just me being stupid. It was me getting frustrated. It was me giving a foul away. And, um, you know, it reminded me a little bit of uh, <laughs> a guy who plays with a similar motor. I mean, you know, I'm a pretty big NBA fan, and my son's a, a absolute Russell Westbrook. Uh, at, if Westbrook plays, it's on the television in our house. And <laughs> and Russell would, would do that a lot, especially early in his Thunder career, when he would get mad about uh, uh, something happened on the other end of the floor. He would just go commit a foul, just out of out of just damn spite, you know? And, yeah. and, and sometimes I thought you, I would see KJ not – I don't mean it out of spite, just kind of frustrated and just, just get, 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 lose his focus for 10, 15 seconds, and boom, there's a key foul. And in the college game where you only get five, you know, the, the third foul sometimes can be a game changer. The fourth foul is a game changer, and that would happen to him some. How much is that something that you, you're wanting to see him kind of work his way, grow his way out of? That's probably been my biggest conversation with KJ. You just as maturity and go to next play. I mean, he does. I mean, I mean KJ, you know, I just I, he had maybe four technicals this year. You know, reacting to calls, and I mean that's that's a monster number. I don't. We don't have anybody that ever gets technicals. TD had that in his career, and we really got. And TD did a lot better job as a senior. You know, of just managing officials. There's one person that should be talking to officials, and that's me. Yeah. But KJ would have a. He thought he'd get fouled, and he would express his concern. And then he couldn't go to the next play. Or all of a sudden, you're right. All of a sudden, he would get a, 
uh, a foul, and now all of a sudden, now it's his, his third foul, or maybe his second foul. So now KJ had come to the bench. I said, KJ, so what's that prove now? Now you're going to spend the next eight minutes on the bench. I mean, just earn fouls and go to next play. And so we, we've, we've talked a ton uh, about that, and that's something he's really got to improve in. You were talking about Sean and the tonsil issue, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like last year, early in the season, uh, Austin Crowley was was getting ready to kind of break out a little bit. Then I think he, well, I don't know if it was mono or if it was just some sort of an illness or something, but he kind of got a setback and he he lost some of his strength and was really never the same player again the rest of the year. How has his progress come along? A lot better now. He's back to about one ninety one, one ninety two. He really did. You know, he lost about twelve pounds. He got down to about one seventy seven, and it was just a bad case of the flu. And he spent all summer trying to get his weight up to a certain weight and and it knocked him for a loop and it happened like right around the sec play you know january it happened and uh you're right about that you know and but but austin again he's he was our best passer you know 31 assists 10 turnovers in sec play which that's great three to one for a young guard he, he you know what he can do is shoot it you know and he he didn't shoot the percentage that we all know austin can he's he's worked his tail off got a ton of shots and uh i do i i think that guy if he can play at 195 he seems like a lot more confident player uh i do we, we need him to make a great jump and we think he will in a physical league like that when you lose 15 pounds you just get you start getting pushed around it's got to get in your head a little bit yeah i, I need i need to get that kind of flu i wish i could get flu about four days it don't seem to work like that on me as we get older if i i would take the flu for four days for about 13 pounds Neil. i would do i'd sign up right now yeah, if I could lose fifteen pounds from right this moment, man. Yeah, <laughs> four, four days. That's it. In. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, all right, you, you two seniors. I, I know you got a, a veteran team coming back, but the two guys that are veterans coming back that are seniors, Devonte Hadim. I know they're buddies. Uh, they they look forward to playing together. There were some there were some moments last year where they they looked like a a, a duo that could really uh, play well together. Now that they've had a year, how much do you anticipate that dynamic taking off a little bit? Well, we sure hope so. You know, we hope Adeem will I, – I thought he matured a lot. A lot. I, I thought he, he really progressed as the season went on. You know, and for the year, I mean, he shoots, you know, 52%, 73 from the line, and he was really our second-leading rebounder. Uh, Sister turnover's got to improve. Uh, but, but I do think he – he got a lot better. He started showing leadership toward the end of the year. So I, I think Adeem will, will make a jump, you know, and obviously, you know, Devontae has a lot of experience for the SEC. I mean, you're talking about a four-year guy that's been starting now, the, you know, for the last two years. And I think the competition in practice is going to make Devontae much, much better uh, going against the people he's got to go against every day. Uh, you know, assisted turnovers was terrific last year. And uh, I do. I, I think Devontae is looking forward to a, to a leadership role and uh, in a real, real productive, really good senior year. Through the years, Kermit, I know you've only been at Ole Miss three seasons, but through the years, uh, it's been a it's been a challenge for Ole Miss to sign top fifty players. You got one in Matthew Morrell, and I know you're excited about him. Uh, what what should the fans expect when when he gets here? Well, I tell you what, he's a he's a talent. He's a wonderful kid. High high AC two. Uh, great great parents. Great family. And what he can do now? He's six four. 200 205 i mean he can he's can jump just explosive he's an excellent three-point shooter uh he really improved his ball skills at img play he's got some point guard capabilities he's just a really good talent neil i mean he'd be one of those guys that it doesn't take 
many people to watch him play for about three or four minutes and watch his quick twitch and how he plays, and you can see it. And uh, and so I, I really think he's going to be real, real productive as a freshman here. Is he a – I know you kind of referenced this. Is he a guy that starts out primarily as a two or a three, or how do you, how do you sort of picture him starting out? Yeah, I think a two. You know, I think a two that – but, you know, our, our three you – know, our, our, our really two spots, two and three, are pretty similar offensively. You know, real similar. In fact, you know, we, we switch one through three, sometimes one through four defensively. Uh, and I think also, you know, you got Devontae and Jarkel, you know, that, that each can, can play point. And, uh, but I, you know, I think Austin Crowley can play point because of his uh, passing skills. And I think Matthew can too. But he's the kind of guy that, you know, obviously if you rebound the ball, can advance the ball off the floor by himself, just like Austin Crowley. You know, I think those guys can make good decisions. You talked a lot last year throughout the year about toughness that team I know you loved the kids but sometimes the lack of toughness on the floor uh, probably had your hairline starting to look a little bit more like mine um (laughs) it's getting there 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 will come a point just break the razor out (laughs) if you need tips let me know Uh, but but you you know you you went out and got some tough guys out when when you signed uh Dementio Vaughn and especially when you signed Romello White I mean my phone blew up with basketball people going oh man that that's those are game changers program changers team changers for that for Ole Miss, uh, can you kind of talk about what you expect from those two guys? Yeah, you know, and it's it, isn't it crazy that I've never met them in person yet. <laughs> you know, Neil, is that I mean, right? Oh, I've never met them as you can. You know, I've just I've talked to them on the phone a lot and zoomed them and all that. So I can't wait for both of them to get here. Uh, you know, Demencio is just you talk to him on the phone. He's got the he got I, what I love. He's got great personality. I mean, he's he's even on some Zoom calls as a as a new guy. He's not afraid to express his opinion, you know. So you think his, his being vocal, communicative skills going to help? You know, he is. He's just one of those guys. He can play two, three, or four. Uh, he shoots for a good percentage, forty percent from three. Uh, he is to everybody you talk to, whether it's David Sanders at Callaway, whether it's the guys at Ryder. They all talk about how he plays every single day. His toughness, and uh, you know, I just think he's going to be into winning. And uh, you know, Romello obviously has done it. You know, at the Power Five level. You know, he's the second leading rebounder in, in the Pac-12. That's saying something. He's one of the all-time field goal percentage shooters in the history of that league. You know, and that's also, you know, it's it's impressive. And uh, you know, I just think that you know, Romello obviously kind of wanted he wanted to get home, and and he played on some really good Arizona State teams, big part of a lot of wins. And I just think we're going to be able to give him a lot of good offensive opportunities. And I think what people really haven't seen a lot with Romello is that. 17 feet, 18 feet, he can be a really productive shooter. He can drive the ball from the top, skill level. You know, so all those things we'll start to concentrate on when, when those guys get, get in here and hopefully by July 20th we can start working with them. You guys didn't shy away on the schedule. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, you can't anymore. you got to get those opportunities. And they, the way they've changed the what, – what's it called? Not the RPI, but the uh, – The net. The net, the net. yeah, thank you. Yep. Uh, the way they've done that, I mean, you know, you got to get wins against teams. You got to get wins on neutral floors. You got to get wins on on away floors. And you, you scheduled at Dayton. Memphis comes to your place. Ryder comes to your place. Wichita comes to your place. You go to a, a pretty talented uh, tournament in the Caymans. Yeah, you'll you'll find out a lot about your team quickly. Yeah, I just think this, you know, Neil. I think at this level, you can schedule wins. There's no doubt about that. If you want to, and. Uh, you know, but I, I just think that 
You know, we need to be challenged. And I just think in the SEC that, you know, if you can take advantage of opportunities, just like last year, you know, going to Barclays and, you know, obviously beat a good Penn State team that was got ranked as high in the top 15 in the country. And if we had taken advantage of opportunities in the SEC, we've talked about this before, you know, the six or seven of those games that we didn't finish, you know, that, you know, that Penn State game could have been a, a really good win, yeah. you know, or the this game we lost by one. You know, all of a sudden you beat Penn State, you get a win at Memphis, and you take care of what you're supposed to do in, in the SEC or an NCAA tournament team. And so those are things that, you know, obviously a lot of thought goes into it. And But you're right, we're going to be we're going to be really challenged. And, uh, and that's good. That's exactly what we want. I know you've coached against middle since you left there to come to Ole Miss, but it'll be weird. Not weird, it's not the right word. I'm pretty special, kind of emotional, I would think, walking back into that building in, in Murfreesboro, right? Yeah, it, w- it will. You know, it will. And that's a big deal when an SEC team comes into uh, to Middle Tennessee. And, you know, Ole Miss came in uh, twice, you know, and uh, one year when they won the SEC tournament championship in 13. I think we had a last second shot to beat them uh, or to beat us. And, uh, and then we had Vanderbilt come in with a really good team one year and won that. And that place will be, you know, it's great crowds. And But it will be different to go the other end. I've coached a guy. I don't know how many games I've coached in that place. But it's special meaning. And you're right. We've played them in Bridgestone. We've played them in here. But it'll be different going to Murphy Center and uh, dressing in the different locker room and sitting on the other end. I know you don't know the answer to this any more than I do. I'm just kind of curious to get your thoughts. You talk about crowds and energy, and you're right. If 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 the world's normal, that place will be crazy for people w- welcoming you back and welcoming an SEC team in, and uh, it'll be a, a fun Wednesday night in, in Murfreesboro. How confident are you that that uh, you're going to get to play in front of full houses, or how much thought do you give that? You know, I get asked by our players some. You know, uh, sure. I just think that you know, obviously the, the, the big one is, is, is football. It's how football does, you know, and, you know, the mantra of, of going slow early so we can play fast late. I mean, that's for all of us, you know, doing a great job right now, uh, doing a great job with our players, the protocol, uh, it starts at the top, you know, obviously Dr. Boyce and Keith have done a marvelous job with Shannon to, to kind of regulate our campus. So with that being said, I mean, I, I tell you what, Ole Miss, I, I, th- I think we're very positive with football about, you know, hopefully it can be 50%, 75%, who knows, you know, in stadiums. Yeah. I think it's just going to be how we, how everything goes from there, you know, and you just, you just don't know. Uh, I guess we will have fans for sure, you know, but uh, it just has to do with, with, with college football. I do do with, with NFL, you know, and then, uh, I do. I do anticipate that we're going to have fans uh, for college basketball, you know, what percentage it may be, you know, and I do think when SEC play comes, you know, there's a lot of talk in the SEC, you know, about about how they're going to do the schedule. Are they going to make it, you know, they're looking at all the different options, you know, whether you have just a typical schedule like you do, or is it going to be more games with trying to keep teams closer in their area? you know, in league play. Uh, so I think they're, they're exploring a lot of different things that, that could happen. But but I do anticipate there's going to be fans for college basketball. You know, I know a lot of kind of basketball coaches around the country just from what I've done for a living. And it's so funny, in the summers usually it's it's kind of, you know, kind of picking at you a little bit because everybody knows, you know, this is this is football crazy country. And if you if you coach in the SEC, you, you know that going in. And right. Unless you're at Kentucky, it's probably the one place you probably could could it would be a little different. But yeah, uh, 
it's so funny now instead of people like hey how come you're not writing about basketball how come you're so football focused now it's hey what are you hearing about football <laughs> everybody understands the game i mean you, know, yes. you got football's got a role and once football rolls everything else is is good and if if something is catastrophic with football then we're all shut down it's it's just not funny i just kind of i've laughed about it a few times like yeah, yeah no no one's asking no one's asking how come you're so football focused in june yeah <laughs> well i tell you one thing we all know it because i mean I, and i do I love college football. I've loved it, guys, since I'm young. And I love watching SEC football and excited about Lane's team. And uh, But you're right. I mean, it's never been – SEC football is so important, but it's never been more important than it is. And what, what, you, what you think about, too, I think SEC is the model for football. It's kind of a model for college athletics right now. I think people are looking at what Commissioner Sank and his staff and the football programs are doing in the SEC. And I think – because we've been – you know, they've been – been sound in their decisions, but been aggressive at the same time, yep. which is great. You know what I mean? But yes. aggressive in a safe way. But I think I think all eyes are on the SEC. All right, when are they coming back? What are they doing on their campuses? You know that. You know testing all the different things. And so you're right. The, all eyes are going to be on the SEC. Yeah, football. I've been super impressed with it. I really have. I, I thought they had yep. a great plan. You know, it's it's. Yep. Because coaches, you, you guys, you know this. I'm not. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir now. You guys are, are one of the reasons that you, you are where you are, that you are as successful as you are, is that you are a competitive person. You are always looking for a competitive edge, and I mean that in a positive way. It's not a criticism, right. but I mean that's just part of what you do. And and the commissioner and the league has had to kind of communicate. Hey, listen, everybody, I get it, and I know that's how you're wired, but slow down. We got to, we, we got to, and, and, but like I said, that wasn't my phrase, but that I repeat it. You've heard it, you know, slow early. We play fast late and it yeah. just, it made a lot of sense. I got to remind myself just, I mean, obviously correct protocol to enter your building. I mean, just anything you do with team meetings, make sure they're done right, you know, and, and all those kind of things. And always telling my staff guys, just constantly give me reminders if you see me kind of forget something or, you know, just get, you know, go back to different things. And as far as, you know, just the protocol of the COVID. And, uh, and so hopefully we'll keep reminding each other because it really is. We, uh, as I told our players, the guys, it's critical that we do it. I mean, if we want fans to come to games, you know, and want, want seasons to play. So I think everybody understands that part of it. That's why when, you know, when everybody came back and they tested and yeah, you, you knew you'd get positive tests. I kept saying that they're, they're going to be positive tests whether it's football or basketball or soccer or whatever, there are going to be positive tests. That's not the end of the world in June. In fact, it might be the opposite of the end of the world. It lets you get a baseline. It lets you figure out in June how you're going to handle some things so that if it happens in September or in your case, if it happens in November, you're, you're, you're so much better prepared for it now and you're, you're ready for it as opposed to just racing in. And, and I don't know, I, I think they've done it the right way. I'm, I'm, I, I swing on this pendulum of optimism to like this week as people – I catch myself – I have to make myself not read some of the stuff that the national fear mongers put out because it's – a lot of the things that they're putting out are misleading and they're kind of agenda-driven. I still think everything's going in the right direction. I just think it's going to be – I keep saying that with football early, it's just going to sound a little different. It's going to look a little different. It might feel a little different, but – for the long-term health of, of athletics programs and for kids being able to go get scholarships and play soccer and all the other sports that we want to see kids be able to achieve, we might just have to accept that a little bit for, for a season. 
Yeah, you, you just got to. It's just going to be it's going to be different. I mean, but you know, at the end of the day, I really think that we all have to make socially responsible decisions. It, it, eventually, it, it all comes back to choices. You know, whether my dad is is eighty four, be eighty five in August, he may choose not to come to some things. You know, but it may sure. maybe people with 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 no symptoms or no pre existing conditions, and then they they make made decisions that that they can. And so, it, at the end of the day, we, we've got to use all of that and every take all the data. And but I'm I'm like you. You know, I, I do. I, I think that the SEC has, has done a great job. I think everybody in general, you know, it's good to see Oxford opening up, you know, and just getting a chance to, to kind of go back to our restaurants and guys see some of these business owners and, you know, that are that are back to trying to make a living, you know, and, and, and kind of creating what we're all used to in Oxford is this special place with one of the most southern charm feelings of anywhere in the country, you know. Last thing, uh, Allie's baking skills look to be getting more and more refined on a on a <laughs> weekly basis. What's the what's the specialty du jour these days? I don't know. Whatever she cooks, she loves to put a lot of stuff on top of it. I don't matter <laughs> what she cooks, you know, she wants she wants about she wants all the M and M's or all the chocolate chips or everything on top of it now. So I don't know. I've got a uh, you know, we got Father's Day coming up, and so she's going to make – I'm not sure, but she's making, a, I think, a cake for – I got my brother who's a dad, and obviously my dad and, and myself on, on Sunday. They're coming over to my house, so I'm sure Allie's baking skills. We'll see what she's got going for us this week. Really. Well, that's awesome. Well, happy Father's Day to you, and uh, best to your family, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Same to you, Neil. All Appreciate right. it. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Kermit Davis for his time today on the Oxford Exxon Podcast. We'll get to John Hamm in just a minute, but first let me tell you that this podcast is also brought to you by the Iron Horse Grill. Iron Horse Grill is located at 320 East Pearl Street in Jackson. They sponsor my Food for Thought, which will be up on Friday, I hope. At least that's the plan. Uh, they're open uh, live music four times per week, open for lunch, dinner, Sunday brunch. It's the perfect place to enjoy all of those things. You can also get in touch with them about their beverage catering service. It's the largest one in Mississippi. It can service the entire state. Call Sarah Black at 601-398-0151 for your catering needs. And uh, enjoy the large outdoor patio and uh, the Mississippi Music Experience Museum there at the restaurant at the Iron Horse Grill. Uh, I'm also brought to you by Dead Soxie. They're excited to celebrate Father's Day. They want to do it in style. Hustle over to deadsoxy.com. Check out the limited edition Father's Day bundles. They got a men's dress sock, kids crew, no show. They also have it unbundled. You can get it if you uh, don't don't have a kid, don't want to get the 4T, understandable. You can do that that way as well at deadsoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Also brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Martin Palomo and I published a Mind on My Money on Wednesday. That's brought to you by Pinnacle Trust. Pinnacle Trust, regardless of your level of wealth, will sit down with you. They'll listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle Trust builds a box just for you. It's pintrust.com, P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast. You'll get 10% off your first year's fees. Also brought to you by John Edwards, Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis, you've been uh, thinking about a golf trip uh, an anniversary trip just want to get the hell out of your house after being locked up for four months a lot of things are opening up so are yellowstone's opening up a lot of things opening up all over the country john knows all about it instead of wasting a day or two days or a week or longer getting frustrated on the internet just get in touch with john 
Give him some parameters. Give him a budget and then sit back, relax. He will come up with options and trip plans that you will not be able to find on your own. And uh, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Go in, tell Gene and Sandy when you go in that you heard about it on the Oxford Exxon podcast. You heard about Grenada Nissan at rebelgrove.com. You'll get Rebel Savings on top of the already great deals at Grenada Nissan. It's Grenada Nissan USA. And we're brought to you by Oxford University Bank, OUB, locally owned and operated right here in Oxford. When you deposit money at OUB, that money and the vast majority of the bank's profits go right back into the Oxford community. OUB gives you the comfort of home, all the benefits the big mega banks provide, all the technology and products you can want, but they give it to you with the personal touch. They also give you Casasa. It's the absolute best cash checking account. And with Casasa, OUB will pay customers 2.5% interest on their balances up to $50,000 and refund ATM fees nationwide. OUB also offers online bill pay and mobile check deposit using its online app. To learn more, go to liveoxfordbankoxford.com or call 662-234-6668. OUB is FDIC insured. And we're brought to you by Bluff City Advisory Group. They're dedicated to building the future you desire. Founded in Memphis in 2019, their team is comprised of established and seasoned financial experts who came together to serve individuals and families of their beloved hometown. Bluff City values providing quality advice, experience, and access to all their clients, and they invite an open dialogue beyond your annual review. They believe that everyone deserves financial security, so no matter your level of wealth or your financial goal, they'll serve as an advocate and a guide to grow a portfolio that is fruitful and sustainable for you. 901-365-3447 or email ben, B-E-N, at bluffcityadvisory.com. Now we will go back to the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. John Hamm is part of the OKC Dream Team, which uh, covers the Oklahoma City Thunder of the NBA, but he's also part of the franchise 1077 in Oklahoma City. A lot of talk about the Sooners, the Cowboys, college football, the NBA, and more with John Hamm on the Rafters Music and Food Hotline. John Hamm, kind enough to join the podcast. John uh, does a lot of NBA coverage. He also works at uh, the flagship, I think it's, is it 107.9 in Oklahoma City? 107.7, the flagship station for for OU football, yes. All right, so we'll talk some OU, we'll talk some OSU, the Mike Gundy thing, but first I'm going to start with this on a scale of fresh fruit to uh, chicken nuggets. (laughs) How, how how confident are you that the NBA season will resume in Orlando and and eventually the NBA will crown a champion? Yeah, so uh, so for for people that don't subscribe to the OKC Dream Team uh, podcast, this is a little game uh, because Royce Young from uh, from ESPN is a uh, noted aficionado of ketchup. And so we would uh, occasionally we'll do the ketchup scale where we ask Royce <laughs> on a scale of fresh fruit being no, I would never put ketchup on fresh fruit to chicken nuggets. How do you feel about blank? Um, so that's the uh, that's the abbreviated uh, uh, version of that. There, um, I, I'll tell you, Neil. My feeling has been I think there, I think it's going to get off the ground. I really do. I feel like we've got a bit of a runway here. 
You know, this isn't something they've got to piece together in a week. They've got some time to sort through a lot of things, let the world turn a little bit more. And um, I, I honestly think they're going to try to start the season in Orlando. Now, I think it's a very fair question. Will circumstances allow them to, to complete this thing over the span of three months? I think there's some valid questions there. But, you know, I honestly think at this point, I'm, I'm really confident that uh, that you're going to have players uh, go into Orlando and that we're going to see NBA basketball at the end of July. What is the bigger threat to it? I'll, I'll, you can put this on the ketchup scale or not. What's the <laughs> what is the bigger threat to it? Is it the, the whole COVID thing or is is it the the Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. those kind of players saying, "Hey, there's a there's an opportunity. There's this moment in in history, if you will, that we can make our voices truly heard. And the best way to do that is by not reporting to Orlando and and playing the season. Yeah, I mean, I feel I feel like COVID is probably the larger concern there. And you know, it, as far as you know, Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, um, these players that are mentioning, you know, what what you just said. Uh, that maybe maybe the world doesn't need a distraction right now. Maybe you know this needs to be front and center every day. Um, that the the Black Lives Matter movement. We need to continue to push social change. I am certainly in no position to say one way or another which way is best. Um, the only you know I, I do know the financial side of it, which is fairly inconsequential when we're talking about human rights. <laughs> but um, you know I, my feeling, Neil, is that I think that is going to I temper I, I that's that's my hunch i mean again we're talking about another month from now i feel like you know we're still going to be talking about number of covid infections and treatments and i mean that's going to be first and foremost on the you know on, on the concern there right there i feel like i personally i feel like that you know they can continue to push for social change while continuing to play basketball find ways to integrate that that that's my hunch is that they'll find a way to make that happen as part of this whole thing. I think you're right. Um, I don't, look, neither one of us are, are medical experts. I'm curious mm-hmm. what your thoughts are. I, I know that uh, you know we've all informed ourselves to the some to some degree about uh, the coronavirus, about the way that it spreads, about all of those things. I, how how confident are you based on what you know, what you're hearing that that they can get through a um, I, what would ultimately for the champion and the runner-up would be a three, three and a half month process without major setbacks. Yeah, that's. I mean, if if you. Epidemiologists that have spoken, you know, talked to reporters and said this is very sound. I think the NBA's plan is really sound. It's a balance, right? You can't lock these guys down completely. You can't have, you know, all of the the Disney staff in hazmat suits, right? You've got to find that balance. And it it sounds like, it sounds like the NBA is doing a pretty good job there. Now, there's only so much that's under their control. And so, you know, I I, I think to me, uh, I think, what is it, June 23rd is when they're going to start, um, uh, mandatory testing for players. I have no doubt we're going to get positive numbers come out of that. I have no doubt that once they get to Orlando, there's going to be some positive numbers. I, I, I feel like it's something that they can sort of address as they go along. 
but you know you you have to be aware of the possibility of something that that spreads between an entire team or two and and we don't know what the nba's protocol is going to be if and when that happens kind of curious do you think if adam silver and i'm not questioning what he did in the in the in the moment it was the obvious decision to make do you think there's a part of him that looks back and thinks you know maybe we overreacted maybe we should have kind of kept going you mean uh, continue playing the season? Continue playing the season, not yet, yet, obviously with no fans in the stands, with with right. really having to change protocols and that kind of thing. But knowing that you know the odds are you're going to continue to have a positive here and there, as you just said, which is all the science says that's the case. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, like at that point, I mean, that's when we went into a shutdown, and that was that you know the the, the medical community. We we need to give them time to catch up. Um, and in which, you know, some strides were made in that area. Um, I, I still feel like, because, I mean, look, it wasn't just the NBA that shut down. It was every major sport. Um, and, and I feel like, I still feel like that's the right thing to do. And I feel like that you probably, if they had, have, like, continued, look, I, I don't know how many people were excited to play that, that game that night in Oklahoma City knowing what they knew. You know, so, so people knew, like, you know, um, that there was something going on with Rudy Gobert. And once they found out, like, yeah, he tested positive, I don't know how many guys were excited to continue playing that game. Right. And then later that night, there was a game in Sacramento that right before tip-off, they, you know, they said, nope. We don't want to. We don't want to risk this. So I feel like it was probably going to happen one way or another. Even if Adam Silver had not pulled the plug, there might have been players that said, "I'm not willing to take that risk." So on the basketball court, it's it's like starting a new season. I mean, all these teams yeah. that had played for you know sixty some odd games and had developed chemistry or not developed chemistry or had had injuries that had changed their rotations or whatnot all of those things are essentially out the window everybody yeah. everybody i would assume is pretty healthy uh with the exception of of bogdanovich and utah everybody else is like probably full go and yet there is no chemistry they haven't practiced they haven't played do you have any kind of an anticipation for expectation i should say for what what the actual basketball will look like Oh man, it's uh, I, I don't, I don't. I, I've compared it a little bit to the TV show Arrested Development, which had like three seasons and then like a twelve-year break, yeah. and then they had an, another season. Like, is this actually the same show? <laughs> you know, I I know it's the same cast members, but are we sure it's the same show? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it it kind of feels like that. Um, yeah, I mean, everything certainly any quote-unquote momentum that had been you know building up during that time is is gone and in terms of the thunder they were a team they were one of the best teams since thanksgiving i mean people forget about that but you know if you if you go to nba.com stats if you draw an arbitrary line of around thanksgiving and start looking at win loss numbers and everything the thunder are there with the lakers and bucks so does that sustain i, I don't know I, I suppose possibly but um yeah i i don't know how you can just sort of restart that go through a whole other training camp I mean, what new things is a coach going to find in the second training camp that, you know, maybe wasn't there before that, you know, the, the, the Clippers finally unlock? I, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating to think about what, you know, change this could actually be. I know that players were told yesterday, I think, that, hey, look, if you just don't feel comfortable for whatever reason, you're not going to get punished. You'll get docked 192.6th <laughs> of your salary, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have to come, and if you're a player that that might be predisposed to getting sicker, 
and that you know that can be documented you won't get punished at all do you anticipate i know there's no way to know this i'm just kind of curious your thoughts as someone who's around the nba and covers the nba do you anticipate any players saying hey you know what man this is it's not worth it for me right i i wouldn't be surprised and you know one story i've thought about um and of course this was 20 some odd years ago but sean elliott sean elliott was um uh, playing for the san antonio spurs and after they won the title in 99, a few months later, it's like, yeah, he's getting a kidney transplant. Like, no one knew, um, at, at least outside of the, the Spurs organization and possibly the Pistons organization, briefly, that he had a kidney disorder. So how many players out there have some sort of a medical issue that we're not really conscious of that, you know, this this may bring to light? So I had imagine we're going to see, I don't know how many high-profile guys you're going to see uh, be unwilling to take the risk. But I also think, Neil, that you're going to have guys on, I don't know, Phoenix, San Antonio, Washington, that are just there to go through the motions. You might have more guys than, than like, the contenders that are like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm willing to risk it. I'm willing to, uh, you know, I, I, I've made enough this year. I, I don't know if I need to be down there. Well, and then some guys aren't going to be happy with their hotel deal. I mean, And the Thunder, right. for example, were, if they could have just gone ahead and played Utah and won that night... <laughs> <laughs> they'd be in a better hotel than the one they're in. I mean, they, they, they should say, they should say, Hey, look, it's not our fault that that game didn't go off. Yeah. We would, like uh, to, they, we would like to play that game on maybe a neutral Orlando site and, and whoever wins gets the better hotel assignment. Right. I mean, that that's almost like in college football. One game is the difference between like the Fiesta bowl and the Outback bowl, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Dollar General Bowl is, or the, or the right. Rose, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, had that game happened that night, maybe OKC actually overtakes the Jazz, and yeah, they and like I, I haven't been to Disney World again. Royce Young is is our resident Disney World expert. I don't know what the big difference is between the two. Maybe, maybe there is significant differences, but uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting how they decided like that is a way to reward teams. Is uh, okay. Here's your hotel. Uh, your your resort of choice based on where you were at in the standings. Well, what I'm most interested in, one of the things, and I, I don't think I dreamt this. Uh, I'm, when I saw the story last night, I'd already I'd had a couple of glasses, and uh, and uh, there's going to be a hotline that players can anonymously call to report violators. Right. <laughs> so number one, I'm that, that snitches snitching is not a popular thing in, in, it the, is in, not. in the NBA. I'm guessing. But the other thing is, and I'm, 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 I mean this sincerely, these are young athletes in the prime of their lives. Um, a lot of them are married with families and stuff, but a lot of them are not. Yeah. And, and those that are not are used to post-game being able to kind of go blow off some steam. You know, you, they, uh-huh. they, they go to a club, they, uh, you know, have a, have a couple of drinks. Uh, you know, there's no shortage of, of women that are interested in, in their company. And all of a sudden, the league is saying, "Hey, uh, yeah, X nay on all that." Right. I'm I'm really curious to see, especially on teams like like you mentioned, some of the teams that are like, "Hey, man, we're not winning a title." I mean, <clears throat> those kind of players. I'm curious. After about a couple of weeks of this, they're like, "This this is not for me. I'm getting out." I mean, I'm going to go out to the club. I'm going to go see what's up right. in Orlando. I am curious to see how all of those dynamics play out. If someone reports them, if someone says, "Hey, look, uh, we got a, we got an issue," because there are players that are you know like a Chris Paul in his mid thirties, who's got young young children, who's married, and there are, there are these are not all the same people. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that, that human element, people, I, I, don't, I don't want to say everyone, but I, I would say I do see it once in a while. People just sort of dismiss that. Like, oh, these guys make a lot of money. No, no, no. I mean, like, these are human beings that are very well compensated, but in the end, they're human beings. And like you say, all of those... Um, you know, uh, the, the desire, the need for companionship, whether it's, you know, <laughs> whether it's wholesome in, in a family sense or whether it's, you know, in, in whatever other sense. Sure. I mean, that's just that's just the way these human beings are. And, you know, I, I thought about, um, oh, a couple of years ago, there was a popular podcast called The Habitat. And I, the, the premise was, I think that I think it was someone that wanted to study like what it would be like if we were sending people to Mars, right? And so they took these people, they stuck them into this small habitat in I think Hawaii for I want to say for a year, and they recorded some of their experiences and reported back. And it sounds like you know kind of exciting at first, and maybe for the first couple of weeks it is, but I have a feeling. People are going to get on each other's nerves quite a bit. This is going to be kind of a mental challenge, um, a little bit survivor-like for these guys. And, and I don't know how much attention's really been given to that angle. Oh, I think it's going to be fascinating over the course of yeah. – as you know, and they're going to be down there for a couple of weeks before they play games. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that could kick in before they ever play the first game, the little stir-crazy. Right. These, are, these are not people that are used to being – Locked up's the wrong word, but they're not used to being. Yeah. They're not used to being confined. Contained. Yeah, contained. right. Con- yeah, right. They're used to having a lot of freedom, and they, for the most part, have the money and the and the and the star status and those kind of things. To you know, they can pick up a phone and make a call. And if there's a a you know a boxing match in town, they can get tickets. If there's a mm-hmm. concert in town, they can get tickets. None of this is criticism. I mean, hey, it's just that's the way the world works. And but they're used to being able to, you know, they they've got buddies and and, and they're also young people. And 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 you're saying, hey, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You got to go back to your room. And and we prefer that you stay six feet away from anybody else and just go watch some television. I mean, somebody was like, hey, you can go read a book. And I was like, how many of these guys are sitting around reading books? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, right. That's not a knock. It's just it's that you know. I mean, I can't I can't get my kids to read a book to save their lives, and so right. You know, I I, I don't know. I, it's it's going to be really really interesting, and then just um, you know, like the quality of play after three or four games when a team's like, so we're out of here in a week. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've I've said this before. I can remember as a kid being in baseball tournaments where if we won, we had to keep playing. Right, and if we lost, we got to go home. <laughs> and, 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 and you know, nobody said the words out loud, but I can remember being in those dugouts, and it was ninety-seven degrees in Ruston, Louisiana, and we kind of looked at each other and said, "Hey, what 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 time's that party tonight? <laughs> right. what, what are we? What, what's yeah. this, what we're up to? Yep. You know, I mean, I yeah. I, I don't know. Not, nobody's going to throw a game, but I do think. I do think it's going to be different teams with different and, and it's that way in every regular season at the end of the year. Different teams have different motivations, but it's going to be more pronounced there, is I guess my point. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I would expect like at a certain point San Antonio is gonna say, Hey, Yaka Pertle, let's see if you can hit threes. Why not? You know, like that, that's the time to go ahead and you're, you're not trying to, again, like you said, lose on purpose, but maybe you just sort of go through the motions. And um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of this is uh, the eight seeding games per team. What is that? 88? Uh, am I doing my math right? Is that 88 games total? I think so. Um, 
that's okay. I'm just going to go with that and assume I'm correct. But um, you know, that is to recoup or, or, or prevent from losing. I think approximately six hundred and fifty million dollars. That's sort of like going through the motions, as it were. And then, you know, like you say, it's going to be kind of like the regular season anyway, where you see a lot of those stunts uh, that, that teams do. Then you get into the playoffs. If a team's down 3 nothing, it's it's an environment where I wouldn't be shocked to see a comeback from a 3-0 deficit because there's no home court. There's no, you know, going from place to place. You're, you're all on the same site. But I just wonder how many guys are just going to be, you know, again, 1-2-3 Cancun. Right. That, that's the uh, yeah, I think that was Nick Van Exel back in the day that, that did that in a in a huddle late in the season. Yeah, it's um, it, it, it could get ugly. Yeah. You mentioned no crowds. I mean, these are guys that are used to playing in front of, you know, like Oklahoma City, the Thunder. They, they have pretty big crowds at most of their games, enthusiastic crowds. The crowd is a is a factor. There won't be presumably there won't be crowds, which is. There, there will be thousands of people at, at Disney World down the street, but there won't be in, 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 in the arena, which is another subject entirely, probably. But um, do you, you anticipate that having any impact on the on the play? You know, um, I, I think Barry Trammell, who's the columnist for the Oklahoma, he, he brought up a great point that I think these guys, because you know they've played AAU, they played like pickup games and like empty gyms. Maybe that's not completely foreign to them. Um, maybe it would be, uh, you know, a, a little more impactful in another sport, but maybe these guys are going to be okay from that angle. I think there's going to be an adjustment period. I think there's going to be some guys that are creatures of habits that, you know, uh, ha- having their routine completely changed up on game day is, is going to take a, you know, is going to have an impact. But, um, you know, I, I, there are some guys that definitely feed on the crowd. There's no doubt about it. But I do think, too, that just the, the sport of basketball sort of lends itself to being played, you know, in, in an indoor church somewhere with no one around. And you just go play ball. And, and, and I think eventually they'll, they'll sort out and, and, and get through that. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, someone who understands the cap and, and the way that the money works in the NBA, in the event that the Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard faction wins out, and for and I, I don't think anyone foresees this happening, but in the event that it did, what would that mean to the league moving forward if they if the season ended because the players wanted to make a social protest? Yeah, and you know, again, that's that's where I can advise, you know. From a business aspect, I mean, here is the, and this is not to be like doom and gloom, but let's say they are not able to finish the season for whatever reason. Um, you know, then the potential losses that the NBA would be looking at in terms of lost playoff revenue, which they're already going to lose a ton of money because people aren't going to be able to, you know, come in and, and sit in seats and, and buy be- uh, overpriced beers and overpriced t shirts and all that stuff. Um, yeah, if, if they cannot finish the season, then I think the NBA, I, they can, they can uh, it's, it's a clause called force majeure, and I'm not an attorney. Um, but what I do know is that's basically like, hey, um, this was out of our control. We're canceling the agreement. We have the legal right to do that. Now you're potentially going back to the drawing board to do another collective bargaining agreement based on you know deflated revenue based on what you thought you were going to have. This could spill over and affect next season as well. And so I think that is some of the caution that people are putting out there. That look, this is a this is a real possibility. This isn't like worst case scenario. This is like a real legit possibility that you know the losses could be so significant that 
it, it winds up affecting next season and beyond and causes a lot of damage to this growing sport. So it, it, it's pretty big. It's pretty big from the business angle. But, you know, again, I, I, I sort of stress that that's not always the most important thing. Sure. You know, um, as, as we go through this. One of the things that I found so interesting in some of the, the commentary over the last, I don't know, four or five days, the it came out, maybe it was Sham's story, maybe it was Woj, I don't know, I can't remember, and it doesn't really necessarily matter, but there was a story that came out that said, hey, the players are operating under a set of assumptions, and one of the assumptions was that there won't be crowds for 2020-21, at least not at the beginning of the season, I'm curious there in Oklahoma City, you're probably around people who work for the Thunder or, or work around the Thunder. Is is that a, a, how big of a concern is it from a basketball standpoint that forget the rest of this season when the regular season for 2020-2021 starts, whether that's October, November, mid-December, yeah. is, is there a concern that it's still going to be to a place where fans can't attend? I, I It could very well be. Now, again, you know um, – Things change very rapidly, so trying to say, yeah, this is the way it's going to be, you know, in six or six or eight months is, you know, kind of a fool's errand. But um, you know, I, here in Oklahoma and other states, the uh, the number of, of positive cases is rising. It, it's on the upswing now. I think, thankfully, you know, hospitalizations are not rising along with that, um, but it is continuing to spread. Now, will we have treatments? Will we have, uh, you know, remedies? Will we have things available to us in a few months? Hopefully, knock on wood. And maybe that will help curb that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. And, and that is some of the, I think, some of the thought process behind delaying the start of next season. That, you know, even if they kick off the season and there's no fans available, you know, able to go to games, maybe that will change. Hopefully before the season is over, you know, that can change. But, um, you know, again, this, this thing, uh, everything in the world just keeps changing. It, it feels like by the hour sometimes. You guys have had a pretty fascinating week in Oklahoma uh, there at the franchise where I know that you're talking about the NBA returning, but uh, Mike Gundy and uh, Chuba Hubbard sort of kicked that to the, uh, to the back page, if you will, <laughs> for, for a couple of days. Take me wow. through. Yeah, kind of take me through that day from from the perspective of someone who's in that state all the time, who who keeps up with the Sooners and the Cowboys, and with uh, the, the the kind of the always on the cusp of uh, of dramatics as as Mike Gundy is. Yeah, and um, you know it's it, it's difficult to it's it's difficult to kind of tap dance around the the, the politics in this, and a lot of this is is point of view. Um, and so a couple of months ago, you know, Mike Gundy was uh, was. I think he was on a conference call and discussing a variety of topics. And, and he said a few things that, that didn't line up scientifically. Like we need to get kids back on campus, you know, by May 1st. And, um, you know, young kids are, are more able, I, I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. I remember um, run the money through the state of Oklahoma. We need to get I, back. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, some of those things. And, and at one point, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he watches a, uh, a, a particular news network that again, from your perspective, is either right down the middle, they tell it like it is, or is a far right wing, you know, um, uh, station. Needless to say, not particularly popular with, um, with with some people, especially because they have, you know, they have some, let, let's say, different views on on Black Lives Matter. Sure. So uh, that was a couple of months ago. Fast forward, and uh, you know, Mike Gundy was uh, was photographed wearing a T-shirt of this network. And, you know, then that just the, the, the proverbial manure hit the fan at that point. And, 
you know, me watching it, and I was just trying to sit back and just observe and not, you know, in inject anything there. And it was Chuba Hubbard that that came out. Uh, Tylen Wallace, who's also a star receiver at Oklahoma State, stood behind him. Uh, former football players came in, voiced, you know, the, the need for change as well. And, you know, of course, some people tried to boil this down as, oh, you're getting just so mad over a T-shirt. No, that, that's more of the, the breaking point. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I, I think clearly there there was some things that that a lot of people were not happy with in the program, and then that was just sort of like they, they felt like it was being rubbed in their face at that point. So, um, you know, uh, Hubbard used his platform. He, he kind of flexed his muscles a little bit. Um, and at one point, Neil, I mean, as, as it was unfolding, I thought Gundy's not going to be the coach in 48 hours. I mean, you had. Uh, I did too, John. I, th I thought. Yeah. I thought he's not going to make it through the day. Right. Um, you had uh, Burns Hargis, who is the OSU president, coming out with a statement. You had Mike Holder, the athletic, uh, uh, um, the AD, athletic director, coming out. Um, it, it did not look good for Mike Gundy. And, and really, what it, it would not have been, oh, he wore this shirt. It would have been, he lost the support of his players. He, he so, you know, uh, finally went too far with his players. He lost their support. He lost control of the program. And that, that's what it would have been. Um, however, you know, shockingly, I put down my phone for like five minutes and I came back. And, you know, there was a video with Mike Gundy and Juba Hubbard where they, it, it looked awkward, uh, but, you know, there was a discussion between the two. Mike Gundy has came out and apologized, has been very forceful, um, you know, uh, in, in some of his remarks afterwards. Um, we'll see. Mike Gundy has been has been a character uh, for a while at Oklahoma State. And, you know, if, if this is going to lead to, um, you know, j just sort of uh, uh, an overall education and, and lead to a more, um, I don't know, welcome environment, you know, That'll be good, but I think that that sort of remains to be seen. How much do you think, and I'm asking you to speculate again, and I apologize, but that's, mm -hmm. what, that's what you do sometimes with podcasts. How yes. Much, how much do you think Mike Gundy is, for lack of a better word, saved by the reality that Oklahoma State is like every other Power 5 football program out there right now? They have a athletics program that, that is fueled by football. Uh, they have an athletics program that that uh, is totally dependent on football and there's a real uh, there's a real chance that in locales such as Stillwater and Norman and Oxford and Fayetteville and Baton Rouge and the list goes on that these stadiums that we're so used to seeing every Saturday afternoon and Saturday night jam-packed with fans are going to either be half full a quarter full less than that full that there might not even be football I mean you know so so yeah, you can't fire Mike Gundy for wearing an OAN T-shirt. I mean, that, that's right. not, that's not a fireable offense. You can fire Mike Gundy, but you have to pay him his buyout. Is my point right? So yep. his buyout is probably several million dollars. It's probably double-digit million dollars. He makes four and a half, five million dollars a year. How much do you think that? I mean, money factors into everything. How much do you think that that got the people at OSU saying, "Hey, let's let's try to defuse this real quick." Yeah, and, and maybe that was. And, and again, if that does lead to positive change, worth it. Totally worth it. Um, and, and again, it's mostly just sort of getting Mike Gundy to understand someone else's point of view. I think that's really all what this, you know, hey, wear whatever shirt you want, support whoever you want to support. You just got to understand where we're coming from. And if that's accomplished, you know, that that's that's a good start. 
I, the, the money, you can't deny it. You're right. I mean, I OSU, I don't know all the details of Gundy's contract, but I do think that it's, it's, it's pretty sound. It's pretty sound in, in terms of uh, the, the ability to, uh, you know, to, to terminate his contract. You're right. They would have had to pay that out and then pay, I don't know, promote someone from within to take over the program. I don't know how, if you're going to hire someone during this uh, you know, situation from the outside uh, to take over. Uh, I, the, the chances of firing him for cause where you don't have to pay out the contract, probably not good unless he literally murdered someone and was convicted of it. So, it probably it probably did it probably did and and again if if the situation if this did lead to where they got together and said mike you've got to work through this you know some, sometimes having that little added pressure out there can, can be a good thing if they had no choice but to sit down and sort of work through this um Meanwhile, on the other side of the state, uh, the the people at OU, Lincoln Riley, has been the exact opposite approach to the coronavirus. He's been urging, hey, let's be careful, let's be slow, let's not bring them back too soon, all of those things. It's one of the elite programs in the country. There's no question about that. It, it's a, I, I, I'm not intimately familiar with OU. I've taken a, a visit with my daughter when she considered it, um, but... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the athletic program there is pretty dependent on, on OU football. Do you get a sense from talking to people in that state? What I, I get asked this all the time about Ole Miss, about Mississippi State, so I'm sure that this isn't the first person to ask you this. How full can Norman be? How full can, can the stadium in Stillwater be? Yeah, um, and I, I think OS, uh, I'm sorry, Oklahoma OU has started selling uh, some tickets, and you know there's some caveats I think uh, that are sort of tied to that. And I'm sure this is sort of a you know again just sort of a step one getting into that. And you know again if, if the world turns and, and we're in a better place in a few months, maybe uh, you know maybe this will be a non-issue and we can have stadiums that are you know 50% full, three quarters, maybe even full. I, I kind of doubt that, but you know we'll see. Um, I, you got to be concerned. You, you've got to be um, because that—that uh, that is. I mean, the, the football program, you know, for a lot of schools, as you know, Neil. It, I mean, it, it it like funds a lot of the other athletic programs at a university. Yeah, uh, you've seen a lot of smaller uh, colleges across the country that have started to cancel. I don't know, like rowing or archery or some of the other programs because they're already anticipating that they're not going to have the, the income coming in. And, um, you know, I, I think a power five school like OU, because it's been so good for so long, maybe they've got a bit of a rainy day fund to get through this a little bit, but you know, if, if it came down to heaven forbid, you know, a season was canceled or you know, significantly truncated, uh, that could be huge. It, it, it could be really massive in, in a number of ways that we can't even fathom right now. Where do things stand in Oklahoma with like masks and all that stuff? Uh, it, where I am, you can't go anywhere without a mask, and then you can go a county over in any direction and, and, and probably not see a mask. And, and so it's different, yeah. different. I'm just curious in Oklahoma, what's the situation? Um, low adoption, uh, adoption uh, of that recommendation. Um, just in my experience, uh, when I've gone out to the grocery store, I mean, I'm one of, I'm, I'm spitballing here, maybe 20 to 25% of the people wearing a mask, um, while, while shopping. And that's been even going to, you know, the hardware store, going to the grocery store, which are basically the only two places that I go. Um, I, I've been work from home for, you know, several months now, um, 
So it's it's been a low adoption, and I, and I'll say this too: I had to go to uh, to a nearby uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma, which is about oh forty miles or a forty minute drive uh, from OKC. Uh, a couple of places there, I mean, it was even lower. So you know, it's um, there there has not been a, a big adoption of that. People have tried to reinforce over and over. You know that this is a good thing. It's not necessarily for you. It's to protect others. Uh, if you're both wearing a mask and you're both protected, and you know, some of the math just hasn't quite landed yet. So uh, that, that's been that's been a worry. And, and, and as I mentioned earlier in the pod, the the number of confirmed cases in Oklahoma is on the rise. How worried are you about just the? I mean, obviously, you work at a flagship station that covers OU yeah. football, and if if there's no OU football, there's there's. I mean, it, it, the impact is is deep in a, in a place like Norman, and and obviously in a place mm-hmm. like Stillwater. And just, I know you're a pretty educated person. How worried are you that there won't be a college football season? Oh, I, I, to me, I, I guess it sort of uh, ebbs and flows a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, probably a couple of weeks ago, I was a little more confident that, you know, we're going to get through it. And and again, as to kind of reiterate, like I said earlier, a few months from now, we could be in a totally different place. And and all of our concerns, you know, we may look back and sort of sort of giggle at ourselves. But um, as the numbers continue to rise, you know, that it it gives me pause. It gives me a little more pause. Um, So, yeah, you know, we'll see come, I don't know, August 1st. I, I'm really curious to see where we're at. I would imagine that every effort is going to be made you know, to, to try to get the season done in some form or fashion. If nothing else, if it's on TV, um, you know, I, I think they'll they'll be happy with that. But um, I, I think you have to be worried, especially as some players are coming in that are asymptomatic, that are testing positive, like they have in Stillwater, like they have in Alabama, uh, undoubtedly other places. Oh, so yeah. it's, yeah. you know... It's uh, you have to you have to be mindful of it. I, I'm not I'm not at the, the panic point on we're not going to have football this year. But I mean, you, you've got to be mindful of what's going on out there. We started with basketball. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and end with basketball, if that's OK with you. I, yeah, I'm I'm curious. I know that your focus is primarily on the Thunders. We'll start there. Is there a matchup? That is uh, the most advantageous to Oklahoma City in the first round. Is there a matchup that that if you're a Thunder fan should scare you? You know, um, when it comes to the Thunder, the, the one thing that I pointed out is that OKC had a really good road record this year. Now, yeah. I don't know if that trans—I don't know if that translates to a neutral site. Maybe it does. Um, but the way that OKC was playing with multiple creators, playmakers on the floor—I mean, at any given time, you could have Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari on the floor. All guys that can put the ball on the floor, create for others, you know, obviously, you know, make buckets as well. Um, so a really interesting team that that also is fairly versatile defensively. Um, so if you get into, you know, if you get into a, a matchup situation, if you try to take out some of these other variables, um, you know, I, clearly Utah would have been a good matchup. I don't think they're going to be matched up with the Jazz when all is said and done. Um, but but I think that there was a chance that they, they had a they had a really good shot against Utah. Uh, some people have brought up Denver. We'll, we'll see. You know, Denver does sort of have a built-in advantage when they're playing at home, you know, uh, with, with the altitude. That's taken out of the equation now. Um, but, uh, you know, some people have thought, hey, you know, maybe, maybe that's a team that could give Denver some issues. Um, people like to bring up Houston. I kind of feel like Houston might be a little rejuvenated from this break um, that, 
you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe you won't be able to capitalize on them. It's fascinating. If, if I'm the Thunder, I feel, I, I would guess, confident as long as you're not matched up against the Lakers or Clippers in round one. I think you'd like to avoid those uh, as long as possible. Otherwise, I mean, the other teams, I think that the Thunder have a, a, a good shot at taking out, you know, one of these teams in round one. All right, last couple questions. If I told you that a team – not Lakers, not Clippers, not Bucks won the title. Who would you say it would be? Oh man, um, you know, oddly enough, I've I've talked about the Raptors because um, a they were playing really good basketball. Yes, they lost Kawhi Leonard, but they sort of had you know this this core of Nick Nurse and Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry and. And uh, you know, sort of a style of play and a continuity that might carry it forward. Um, could in a neutral site like environment like this, could Toronto you know make another run like that? Sure, I, I imagine that's entirely possible. Um, it, it's going to feel to me, Neil, a lot more like the NCAA tournament, where you know there's going to be some curveballs thrown, and if we come out of this and the fifth seeded Houston Rockets wind up winning the title. I, it, you know, I think it's I think it's a, a real possibility. That's another team too. That again, if if they um, can sort of spring this small ball and make some adjustments along the way and and go wreck havoc, yeah, I mean they they, they could run through it too. So those are two teams that I've looked at that that really kind of interest me heading into the bubble. And I'll be frank, the Thunder kind of interests me too. They, they just again the way that they play that I described earlier, I think that's kind of sustainable. I don't know if it's enough to take out uh, Clippers or or uh, you know a Lakers team along the way, but you know again we're talking about some wild curveball could be thrown in this environment. All right, I'll take the curveballs out. Now you can have the favorites back in the field. Is there is there one of those teams <laughs> that one of those teams you like the most in in this kind of a setting where it's picking up and resuming? I mean, you don't have a lot of time to get chemistry and stuff it's like i mean i kind of anticipate this looking sort of like october november basketball which Mm -hmm. i mean like sometimes teams don't look very good in november that end up looking really good in june right um and and some people thought that you know like the clippers were going to get to that point and now that they've had this break you know maybe they don't have that valuable time to sort of put everything together and and really click heading into the postseason that's why i like the lakers um yeah, I, that's if I if I had a sum of money that I had to place heading into this uh, environment, I, I still think the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis, the cast of role players that they have, I feel like that's a team that ultimately could win this whole thing. Um, so that's that's kind of where I lean, and I, I you know on paper. I like how the Clippers are designed. I just don't know if they were able to kind of put it all together, uh, and I don't know if they'll be able to before they start this run again. John, as always, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so very much. No problem. Take care, man. Take care. Bye. Our thanks to both Kermit Davis and John Hamm today for their time on the Oxford Exxon podcast. We will have a live show for you tonight. Hand-raised guys on our YouTube feed. Uh, That'll start at 5 p.m. Central Daylight Time. For those of you who missed that, don't worry about it. We will have the podcast version up for you on Friday as the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. So until then, enjoy your day, stay safe, and we will talk to you later. Take care.